Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. In this holiday season, we're all eating a lot of food and also contributing a lot to food waste. So how can we make our consumption of food less wasteful? How can we improve our coffee cups to make them less damaging to the environment. Maybe come up with new ways of sealing foods with eligible packaging, or even better ways to have easy to dispose milk capsules. And once you've made your cup of coffee using those coffee pods, well, you need to sometimes add milk to it. And those milk can, in an office or maybe on an airplane, you'll have those little plastic containers of milk. And if you can manage to open it without spilling milk all over yourself, you've done well. But the problem is then you're left over again with a little bit of wasted plastic. That needs new technology to help make that more biodegradable as well. And that's where researchers from the Martin Luther University at Halle-Wittenberg, MLU, have developed a milk capsule that dissolves when you place it into a hot drink which is an amazing idea. You've got your coffee out of the machine using the little coffee pod, and then you just place the milk capsule into it. It dissolves away, giving coffee to your milk, and meaning that there is no waste from the packaging material. It's easier to use because you don't need to try and unpeel the top and have it splash all over yourself, and there's no waste. And these researchers have published their findings in the journal Chemical Engineering and Technology. It's is similar to the idea of having a sugar cube filled with, on the inside, milk or condensed milk. It has a crystalline crust that forms basically the packaging that protects the capsule. Then that dissolves away, releasing the liquid into your drink. Now, that could be tea, that could be coffee, that could be whatever. And Martha Vellner, who developed this process as part of her PhD at MLU Centre for Engineering Scientists, with the guidance from Professor Joachim Ulrich. And, she, and Martha Vellner basically came up with this as a simple concept. First, you take a solution of milk and the desired sugar. Maybe it's a, a, a non-sweet material um, if you wanted to not have sugar, but generally you often add milk and sugar to your, to your coffee or tea, so using a sugar is actually a good idea. As the solution cools, the excess, excess sugar moves to the edge of the material or the edge of the liquid at least, forming solid crystals. Then the milky, sugary solution fills the interior part. Now, Vellner, who is also a nutritional scientist, conducted multiple trials to examine which materials and which cooling processes delivered the best results. And at the moment, there really are two options, for milk containers at least, sweetened and lightly sweetened. They're trying to make it work with an unsweetened, sugar-free version, but the ability of sugar to crystallize as part of this process is still kind of key. So that means if you want black with a little bit of milk but no sugar in your coffee or tea, then you may need to wait and use a different method for your milk until these researchers can nail the process for that. Now, the good part is that these capsules can be produced in all kinds of shapes and sizes and stored at room temperature. Once the milk has been encapsulated, it can keep for pretty much three weeks. And there's no reason why you can't use the same method and the same process for other liquids. You could, for example, encapsulate fruit juice concentrate, cordial, inside this little casing, drop it into your glass, and all of a sudden, you have a cordial or a fruit juice drink. 
And that's one of the ideas that Martha Vellner has to expand the uses for this technology. Now, Joachim Ulrich, the professor here, came up with the idea of encapsulation process several years ago, but they've been studying which crystal formation processes would best apply. And the main reason they came up with this was it to make amazing low-waste coffee pod delivery techniques for milk, but actually for delivery of medicine. Because this similar type of dissolving hard structure on the outside, but which releases a liquid inside, which will dissolve, is pretty much exactly what you need for medical applications, for delivery of drugs and therapeutic goods. Now, whilst they have registered for a patent on this process in 2015, there's no product yet on the market. Because you do, especially with milk, need to make sure that it meets all the necessary legal requirements for groceries in general. But the idea of a hassle and low-waste way of delivering milk, or maybe fruit juice concentrate, to the glass without any packaging is incredibly attractive. And it goes to show what scientists can come up with when they try and adapt a solution from another industry, in this case pharmaceuticals, to the food and beverage industry. It gives us hope that there may be a way to have a low-impact cup of coffee with milk and sugar without having to have a large amount of waste alongside it. This is some great work done by Dr. Martha Vellner from the Martin Luther Institute in halle Wittenberg. If you like me, you enjoy a good cup of coffee, and around 2 billion cups of coffee are drunk around the world every day, and around 25 million families rely on growing coffee for a living. It's pretty surprising given how much the consumption of coffee has risen over the last 15 years, but it's been about 43%, which is quite amazing. You only have to look here in Melbourne to see the widespread impact of coffee shop and coffee culture as it percolates through society. And all of this coffee is, is good, I mean, if you enjoy coffee. But the other interesting thing that has increased, especially through office buildings and into people's homes, is the rise of the single-serve coffee container. Now, like tea bags, these have been around for a long time. But they've sort of evolved from a paper coffee bag, a filter bag, such as the easy-serving espresso pod, which is kind of one of the things that really started off this whole craze ages and ages ago, to the more sophisticated little pod or plastic cups like the K-cup or maybe the other ones used by Nespresso, the Dolce Gusto, Gusto, or maybe the Nespresso little pods and capsules. And many, many of them exist, even little disc-shaped ones. It just depends on which kind of machine and which company. Now, these have been around since the 1980s as a, as a product that you can buy. But there's a big problem, and that is that it's about 6 grams of coffee in 3 grams of packaging. And that packaging, after you've used it, just most of the time, gets thrown away. That is a serious problem. If you think about it another way, it's, it's like throwing away a third of the meal that you've eaten each time. And 
steps have been taken by several places, including the German city of Hamburg, which has banned the sale and use of these little coffee pods in the city in any state-run building as part of a plan to reduce the environmental impact and waste. And about one in 10 Britons think that coffee pods are pretty much very, very bad for the environment. And about, But at the same time, 22% of those people owned a coffee pod machine. So it's a bit interesting. There's about 254 separate patents of all different types and designs and tweaks of these coffee pods, but they're effectively the same. They're about 18 billion euros worth of coffee pods sold each year, and that's a pretty significant portion of the total coffee market. So there's a lot of people with heavy investments in this concept, but it's not good for the environment with the amount of waste and material that is being used here. In particular, the inventor of the K-Cup, which is the most popular American single-serve coffee capsule, uh, John Evan John Sullivan, who invented this, actually says he feels incredibly bad and that he ever invented this because it's a sustainability nightmare. And that is why he's a very strong campaigner for the banning, or at least the changing, of these coffee pod designs. There's a movement growing from p- people in Europe and in other countries like Canada to make sure we can either have more environmentally friendly or remove these entirely because most of the time these little coffee pods once they're used pretty much end up back in landfill which is not good for the overall health of the planet especially since they're such an inefficient method of uh, producing coffee now the coffee makers themselves are trying to increase the recycling of their capsules nescafe uh, has a claim and a plan to actually reuse some of their pods Nespresso has a recycling program where they pick up the used capsules and then reuse them. It means they can use about 80% of the capsules uh, with about 14,000 dedicated capsule collection points in 31 countries, which is pretty good. Like they, They're trying, but it doesn't get over the fact that that's still a large amount of waste. Other companies, such as Philips with the sensor, have a basically a small little filter bag method which is a lot more useful, it's permeable, it doesn't have any waste, it basically involves organic material um, that is biodegradable, which is great, much better than plastic and aluminium, which is used in most of the actual contemporary coffee pod technologies. If you compare it to the recycling methods that we've got across the world for something like soft drink cans or bottles, it's, we're still a long way to go, because when you look at what Europe, in particular Germany, has done for collection and reuse of soft drink bottles and cans they have a very very strong and well-trained populace who know that ah yeah if i return my bottle to the shop or if i turn my set of cans to the shop i get you know my fanned my uh, 10 cent deposit back or whatever it equates to the local currency and that's really really good because then companies then take those bottles recycle them melt them down and reuse them and thus in reducing the overall environmental impact and actually having that cultural change on the populace and until we get to something like that for coffee and actually develop pods that are are recyclable and not just going to be wasted we have a lot of work to do and it's such a large part of the coffee market that it's really up to now either governments to force or these large companies themselves to actually go out there and try and improve it and if the one of the inventors of one of these pod technologies is calling for it to be changed and adapted then that's a pretty big sign that maybe something should be done 
The older solution is, of course, to drink tea or maybe brew your own coffee without these little pod cups. But that reduces the convenience of having a nice little thing you can pop into a machine and get a capsule out. This goes to show that having a coffee cup that's recyclable and disposable is important to improving the overall health of the planet by reducing waste, and waste where we can find it in every little area of our lives. So instead of a low-waste method of delivering milk, what about using milk itself as a packaging product to deliver a low-waste wrapping of everything from meat to bread to cheese and snacks without plastic packaging? And that is what some research done by Peggy Tomusula and Katie Coddington published at the 252nd National Meeting of an Exposition of the American Chemical Society, the ACS. And they have come up with a biodegradable way of wrapping food products using milk proteins or a film made of milk proteins. And not only is it biodegradable, not only is it low impact from an environmental perspective, it's also even edible. Now, protein-based films are powerful oxygen blockers. And we've known this for many, many hundreds and thousands of years. We use that for all kinds of methods. But that led researchers and senior research leader Peggy Tomasula to think about how we could adapt this known about property of proteins to prevent food spoilage and use in packagings, particularly for food waste, to reduce food waste and distribution along the food chain. And really, this is not just to avoid food from going off, because food packaging at the moment is mostly petroleum-based. It's not sustainable. It's basically plastic wrapping of different kinds. It doesn't biodegrade, and it creates tons of plastic waste. It is cheap to produce, but it's not a sustainable method of production, which means that it will become more and more expensive over time. So really, we do need a better method for this. Now, Peggy Tomasula works at the U.S. Department of Agriculture, and they've been developing an environmentally friendly film made of a milk protein called casein. Now, casein-based films are about 500 times better than plastics at keeping oxygen away from food, which is amazing as an idea because it's not only more environmentally friendly, but it's actually more efficient. And since they divide from milk, they are biodegradable, they're also sustainable and edible. Now, there are already some commercially available editable packagings, but often these are made of starch, which is much more porous and allows oxygen to seep through to the product through micro-holes, which is not good because it means the food perishes quicker. But with milk-based proteins, there's very, very few small pores, and you can actually make them form a network which keeps the oxygen away from the product it's protecting, sort of channel it away. Now, when the researchers first made a blocker using pure casein, it made a really, really strong and effective oxygen blocker, but it was very, very difficult to handle. And when exposed to water, it would just dissolve away very, very quickly. So they had to make some improvements, and they incorporated in citrus, pectin, which is a small uh, compound, and they made it blend into the packaging to make it stronger, but also more resistant to humidity and high temperatures. They kept improving and tweaking and tweaking, And now they can actually get it to look very, very similar to store-bought plastic wrap, but a lot less stretchy. 
However, it is much better at blocking oxygen. The material itself is edible and it's made almost entirely of protein. You could even add things like vitamins or probiotics or, or nutraceuticals into the actual wrapper in the future. They don't have to taste good, but at least it helps to improve the, the benefits of the product and in the wrapping. You could even add flavorings to this wrapping if you really, really wanted to. The applications for this are endless, as Letitia Bonil, who's a co-leader of the study, states. And they're currently investigating different applications, such as single-serve edible food wrappers for like cheese sticks or rather small products or snacks. These could have single-serve pouches that are not only sanitary, but also could be eaten and to give extra benefits or maybe flavors to the end product. Now, overall, to keep them sanitary, so you're not just eating the dirt and grime that's on the outside of it, you need to keep it in some kind of larger cardboard container or to store on shelves to prevent them from getting wet or dirty. But that's okay because we can make cardboard recyclable and safe and efficient. You don't need to individually wrap each product. You just need to keep all of them as a bunch clean. Now, the other interesting aspect of this is that this casein coating could be sprayed onto food, such as cereal flakes or bars. Now, right now, we preserve cereal in a cardboard box with a plastic bag. We have that plastic bag inside to keep the cereal fresh, and then we put all that into a cardboard box. But with this casein coating, this milk protein-based film coating, we could spray the cereal and coat the cereal, and then just put it in a cardboard box, direct for use. And that would be incredibly efficient, and you don't need to have all of these extra extra materials such as sugar being added to the cereal to give it a crunch. You could just get all that crunch from a helpful case and coating. So that's why people like the US Food and Drug Administration are interested in the way in which these containers work. And they're not only that, they're safe and they're healthy and could be used within three years on the shelf. So now the researchers are figuring out ways to commercialize this. Working with a small company in Texas, they've developed interest to expand it out to the food packaging industry. But it goes to show if you think laterally about how to approach the topics of keeping perishable food safe, you can come up with some pretty innovative and neat solutions. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. From disposable coffee cups to better keep capsules, we find different ways to reduce the food wastage and the wastage of associated packaging, including even by using edible packaging. Our ending theme was composed by Audio and Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.